Now, how many men, I need to know, how many men, the only person on the planet that you actually buy presents for is your wife? Let me see your hands. There's three of us? I thought there'd be more. That's me. Janie buys for everybody else. And, and I'm the only one. So, well, okay. So evidently y'all buy a lot more presents than I do, but let me give you some things not to buy your wife. And this is on your listening guide because I want you to be prepared from this day forward to know what you should not buy. All right. First thing is on your listening guide, don't buy anything that plugs in, right? Ladies, you agree? You're not, you're not turned on by things that, that plug in. Second, don't buy clothing that involves sizes, Chances are one in 7,000 that you will get it right. And the other 6,999 times you will offend your wife. She'll say, do I look like a size 16? And I don't even know what that means. And, or you get too small and she'll say, I haven't worn a size 8 in 20 years. And so you feel like a dipstick. Number three, avoid all things useful. We don't care how much time it's going to cut off of her day. It's not going to... By the way, my mom loved Reader's Digest. And so these all came from Reader's Digest. We used to read these things all the time. Mom loved the Cosby show as well. So I'm kind of doing a tribute to my mom today. Uh, Number four, don't don't buy anything that involves weight loss or self-improvement. Because ladies, if they give you something that involves weight loss, what are you going to say to them? Do I look... To which there is no good answer... I guess, no, no, you don't look fat, ever, ever. Number five, don't buy jewelry. The jewelry your wife wants, you can't afford. The jewelry you can afford, your wife doesn't want. That's just a helpful hint. Number six, do not fall into the trap of buying her frilly underwear. Your idea of the kind of underwear your wife should wear and what she actually wears are light years apart, right? We're not going any further than that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you haven't been married very long. (laughs) Number seven, finally, don't spend too much. Spend too much and she'll say, how do you think we're going to afford that? Spend too little and she'll go, is that all I'm worth? So really, there's there's not a whole lot you can do to please her. Um, In my family, I just, Janie and I, luckily my wife is a quality time person, so I just spend time with her. She feels loved. She's not a present person. And so, you know, a lot of times she'll say, oh, don't even buy me anything. It's not a big deal. Um, I love to surprise her. I surprised her. She thought she was going to get a new um, ice maker because ours was jacked up. And I was telling everybody that water dripped out of our ice maker in our refrigerator. that we've had for 20 years. We have a dryer that actually predates my wife. Um, I'm I'm not kidding. I bought this thing in 1988 and it's still going strong. It's Kenmore. And every time I go into Sears, I'm like, I want another one like that. And they said, sir, we don't make stuff like that anymore. Um, But she thought she was going to get a new ice maker because the water was dripping and there were stalactites and stalagmites. And if you left it long enough, I'm not kidding, honking things like should be in a cave were in my fridge. And so we're so redneck at our house that, that when I pulled the ice maker out, I dropped it and broke it. And so Janie threw that away. And so she took this, this um, plastic bucket and wedged it in there so that the ice could still be, you know, coming out. But, and, and I've told some of you this, <clears throat> if you went, if too much ice was in there, or if you reached in and actually touched the bucket, you would lower it to the point that the, the, the freezer door wouldn't shut anymore. So if you take a bluebell thing of ice cream, stick it down there, and then, you know, the, what's that bread you like? 
French bread. And you take a loaf of French bread and put it on top. It's the perfect height to hold up our little bucket so that you can shut the door and the ice can still dump in there. So um, we'd been doing that for a while. So I, I did buy her a new refrigerator yesterday. And she was excited. She did a little happy dance. One day I'll get her happy dance. Have you ever seen Snoopy do a little happy dance? That's my wife when she's excited. Someday I got to get that on video. Now, ladies, I need to ask you a question. I've talked to a lot of moms through the years, and what they tell me is sometimes they tend to compare themselves as a mother to someone else they see who seems to have a perfect life and perfect children. Does that ever happen? Ladies ever do that? You compare yourselves to others, and um, this silent competition gets started where each mom thinks she has to do everything for her child that the other mom does. And on the surface, this looks like a noble effort, but what it leads to is exhausted, frustrated women. Eventually, every mom either comes to the realization that she can't do it all and no one expected her to do it anyway, or she drives herself crazy thinking she's not good enough. Right, ladies? Is that, is that accurate? Well, um, I want you to think about the transformation of moms over the last 50, 60 years. Y'all remember um, uh, Lucille Ball when, when she and, uh, was it Desi Arnaz, when they had separate beds, you know, because we couldn't have anything as scandalous as two people not married, you know, even though they were married, could, they couldn't sleep in the same bed, so they had separate beds. And she was a pretty funny mom. And then we had um, June Cleaver, actually, before that, June Cleaver. We had Mrs. Cunningham, Marion Cunningham. Have y'all, how many of y'all watched Happy Days? We're going to find out how young this crowd really is. Okay, so a third of us even know what Happy Days is. All right, okay, just checking. Um, how many of you know who Roseanne is? What was that show? I didn't even watch that show because that disgusted me. What was, what was it? Oh, Roseanne. Huh. That's a dadgum creative name right there. Um, how many of you watched uh, Seinfeld? Mrs. Costanza. Oh my goodness. Or Jerry's mom. So things have changed a lot. Now I want to ask you, how many of you ever read the book, Love You Forever? You know that little, it's a children's book. Um, Janie loved this book. It's, it's about the undying nature of a mom for her child. And, and it demonstrates the power of a mom's love as well. And so what happens is this young mother holds her newborn son and she sings him this little song. And she says, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. And y'all read that? Okay, I just should quit because I'm getting fewer and fewer people who know what I'm talking about. Well, so in the book, it's a great book, and if you're a, a new parent, you should get this. In the book, her son drives her crazy, but she still sings this song. Sometimes it says she wants to sell him to the zoo because he acts like an animal, but she still sings the song. Sometimes she feels like she's actually living in the zoo, but she still sings the song. And when she is sick and old and she can no longer sing, her son comes to see her. And what does he do? When she can't finish the song, he actually picks her up and holds her and sings to her. I'll, like, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living, my mommy you'll be. Every mom, mom I know who has read this book loves it because I think it, it shows the power of a mom dedicated to their child. When she was in need later in life and she needed love from her son, he did exactly what mom did. And then, isn't that what you want? You want your kids to come full circle and to love someone else and to sacrifice for someone else. And you feel like you're, you have um, accomplished something as, as a mom if that happens. 
he sings to her, my mama, you'll always be. Well, I know that, that moms have a very, very difficult job. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a working mom, then you've got all of these other things going on. It's a difficult deal. Um, there's a book called The Power of a Praying Husband. And one of the things that the author says um, is that women list mothering as one of their top three needs for prayer. Right after, um, where was it? Uh, for their spirits, they need to prayer for their spirits and their emotions. Part of the problem that wives face is this balance between being a good mother and a good wife. And here's what she says, quote, every mother struggles with that balance daily. And whether she says it or not, she often feels guilty about neglecting her husband or, or her children. And it is not even an issue of equal time because there's no way that a self-sufficient husband is going to get equal time with a child who can't do anything for himself. And ladies beat themselves up because they don't have enough time to do everything. Well, so we, we've kind of boiled this down. This is a very simple message today. And there's three things that we think moms need. Number one, moms need help. Is there a mom here who says, I don't need any help? No? Okay. Moms need help. Um, how are you supposed to do tons of laundry every week and, and take fast food orders? I remember when Janie used to make a different thing for every child. She'd make something for me and her. I ate whatever put in front of me because I learned a long time ago to make mama happy. Whatever she puts down there, you eat it. And, and she's learned a long time ago that, that if I don't like it, I'll just keep eating and won't say anything. She'll tell the kids, daddy's not saying anything. He doesn't like it. I just don't, can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. But, but I'll eat whatever she did. She used to cook a different thing for each child. And then, you know, about the end of the week, she would get tired of that. And she would stand up, she would raise her hand and she'd say, the kitchen is closed. You don't like what I fixed? Make it yourself. And I'm like, why didn't you do that weeks ago? I, I'm, all the time, I'm like, dude, you got to fend for yourself around here. Caleb was three years old. I'm like, dude, that's food in the kitchen. No, not really. How are you supposed to go to endless trips to soccer, baseball, ballet, music lessons, recitals, not to mention make time for all the daily routines and still be able to do anything that will make a lasting impression on your children? Well, I've got news for you. You may not realize this, but you were never meant as a mom. You were never meant to parent alone. And I'm not just talking about a husband. I'm talking about the church is supposed to help you. Let me show you this in Titus uh, chapter two, verses three through five. Paul is writing to a young pastor and he says, you want to have a successful church, this is what you need to do. Starting in verse three. In the same way, teach older women to be holy in their behavior, not speaking against others or enslaved to too much wine, but teaching what is good. Then they can teach the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be wise and pure, to be good workers at home, to be kind and to yield to their husbands. Then no one will be able to criticize the teaching God gave us. Now, Paul starts this passage off with in the same way, and and I'm a curious person, so I always go in the same way as what? Well, if you go back and you read the first two verses, he's talking about how he is supposed to train older men to be God-fearing men, and then the older men are supposed to train the younger men. That's the way the church was designed. Now, he's saying in the same way he's supposed to train older men, he's supposed to train older women. Now, I've been a pastor for 12 years, and I was a youth minister for 19 years before that. One thing I learned is you never, ever ask a woman if she's old, right? I mean, how do you figure this out? He's writing to to Titus, and he's going, find the older ladies in your... What do you do? You say, hey, all the old ladies, would you raise your hands? No! Or do you have a sign-up sheet in the back? If you're old, please go sign up back there. Here's what I've decided. If you think you're old, you are. And 
and then it's all on you. It's not on me. If you say you're old and I repeat that, don't hold me accountable for your words. Okay, anyway, I don't know. We'll move on from that. We don't have to worry about that around here. Verse four is the one that sticks out to me. It says, the older women can teach the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. Older, mature Christian women were given the responsibility to teach younger women how to be successful wives and mothers and household managers. And so what this did is it raised the home and it raised uh, love in the home to the absolute highest priority. If a wife loved her husband and children, she was on her way to making the marriage and the home a success. And see, with all this emphasis on romantic love that we have around here, we, we can't really imagine this idea of teaching a woman to love her husband. We see, in Bible times, the couple usually um, got married first, then had to learn how to love one another. They had to figure out how to love the other person in the relationship. And here's what I've discovered. After counseling for years and after talking to a lot of couples, we have to do the same thing because when romantic love wears off, and it wears off, you have to figure out how to love that thing, that person, Because, you know, when you're dating, it's all so cute. Everything she does is cute. You're married for 20 years. That's not cute anymore. Don't y'all tell her I said that. But here's the thing. You stop focusing on... What, what those little tingles give you, you know, that's what they're called, the tingles. When you see somebody, you go, ooh, you know, and you have that, when, you're, when you have a mature love, you don't have the tingles anymore. But we're going to have, we're going to do a, a marriage series starting in June, and, and we're going to look at five things that you need in your marriage. If you have these five things, it will fail-proof your marriage. And uh, one of the things we're going to talk about, John and Ann have agreed to be, where are y'all? They, they've agreed to be my guinea pig, so we're going to do some interviews and some, some uh, role plays and stuff like that. Um, they've already agreed to that. You didn't agree to all that, but you really did. So it doesn't matter, because um, I'm going to use it anyway. So we can't understand this, this idea of learning to love the other person, but that's really what God's word is talking about. And anytime a wife was struggling, wouldn't it be great if, if when women were struggling in their relationship with their husbands, we had this group of moms, supplemental moms, older women in the church that they could come to and they say, this guy's driving me crazy. And you would have somebody that would love you and encourage you and pray with you. Wouldn't that be cool? That's what God designed the church to be when it's functioning right. When the local church is functioning right, there's nothing like it in the world problem is most of us have not been in local churches that function properly. Now, we can kind of understand this of learning to love a dude, right? Ladies, we can understand that. But to love your children? Surely a mom loves that kid from the time it's conceived, right? Well, yes, but these little darlings don't come home with any instructions. I remember when Caleb, when we brought him home, it was a Saturday night. I wasn't going to church on Sunday. They'd given me the Sunday off. And we got out of the hospital at 8 p.m. on a Saturday night. We took him home. It was dark. It was storming. It was cold. He was born in January. And I remember Janie and I putting him down and going, what do we do now? And, and I was so scared he would quit breathing that all night I slept with my hand on his back or on his stomach to make sure he was breathing. If he made a little noise, I was up. I could not sleep that night because I didn't know what to do. By the third, you know, you're just chunking him in a room, closing the door and saying, see ya. You know, right, Hannah? That's what we, you don't know, remember. <laughs> Here's the thing. Um, wouldn't it be cool if we had some older moms who've been through the trenches, 
who could say to these young, frazzled moms, it's going to be okay, I've been there, and they're going to survive. That's what the church is supposed to be. Because true love does not happen at first sight. True love is developed over a lifetime. And the older women in the church have a wealth of knowledge and wisdom and information to pour into you. That's what the church is supposed to be. I remember from the time Caleb got about three when we had Rachel, people in our church thought Janie was just this expert. And so all the time, ladies are calling about all this stuff. And Janie's like, I'm just barely ahead of them. I'm like, but they hadn't done it before. What if we had this group of women who said, I'm available 24-7 to help young moms? Would that be cool? That's what the church is supposed to be. Motherhood is, by definition, full-time caring. Moms don't punch a time clock. I know some moms are feeling overwhelmed. It's a highly skilled profession for which she is only given on-the-job training. And so, moms, I just want to salute you as the ultimate servants of our time. From the moment you become pregnant until that, the time that child moves away from home, you're sacrificing for the good of that human, human being. And I just want to salute you and I want to offer this church to you that we will be here to help you any way we can. Well, so the first video you saw, this is, I, I actually went through this whole episode of, uh, it's one of my favorite episodes of the Cosby Show and it's called, You Are Not a Mom Tonight. You're going to see that in this next one. Not only do moms need help, they need a break. Check this out. Well... What do you think? Does your mom look sweet? <laughs> Say goodbye to your mother. Goodbye. Goodbye, Mommy. Now, Mrs. Davis is going to spend the night here tonight as soon as she gets off from work. And I'm going to leave you the number for the hotel. Okay. Please, before you use it, think. <laughs> and then after you make your decision, if it's necessary... Think again. Mom, can we sit out for dinner or do I have to make it? Don't answer that. Mom, that's my whole after dinner. Pay no attention to these people. Mom, what about about my science project? You want me to do it all by myself? You are not a mother tonight. Goodbye, baby. Take me with you out. Baby. No attention to this child. Here, clamp on to your sister. I hereby declare that you are not a mother night is now beginning and let the fun start. Starting a little early, aren't you? Oh, I love the Cosby show. <clears throat> The second thing is moms need a break. And Genesis 2-2 says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Now, I think it's interesting that the first part of this says, by the seventh day, God was finished with all his work. Let me see how many moms finish your work in seven days. Does it ever end? No, it doesn't. Uh, It's never done. But that does not mean that moms shouldn't take a break and rest. There's an old proverb that says, if you keep the bow, and this is talking about the old style bows, if you keep the bow always bent, it will break. And the idea was this bow, you know, the old style, not the, not the compound bow, where you had a string on it, you were supposed to release the tension every now and then so that you could keep the elasticity of the bow so that it didn't ruin. If you kept it bent all the time with the elasticity, with the tension on it, it would ruin the bow. Well, I'm, I'm trying to tell you that the more stressed out the mom is, the less flexible she is, right? 
So you need a break. You need to take a rest. And so you, you need a break from your kids. And let me tell you a little secret. Your kids need a break from you too. They'll survive. It'll be okay. Absence really does make the heart grow fonder. So try it sometime. To be at your best, you've got to be uh, refreshed occasionally, like every week. Moms can't keep going at this pace. What we're trying to find for you ladies is a sustainable pace. Um, You'll break down if you keep going relentlessly. You see, God knew what he was doing when he established a day of rest, one day of rest every week. And you need to have a Sabbath day of rest. But do you realize that in the Old Testament, there's all kinds of festivals, there's all kinds of holidays. And what that was, was a time of rest for worship, relaxation, and family relationships. God sure was smart. So why don't we build that into our schedules as well? Well, there's one other thing that we think moms need. They need help, they need a break. And, and I'm just throwing this out there. This is what I think, ladies, you tell me. Moms need romance. Is there anybody out there who would say, my husband is just way too mushy. I wish he'd quit this trash. Anybody? Anybody? My husband romances me too much? No. Okay. Um, <clears throat> when, when you're trying to keep your head above the water, when you're treading water, romance is the first thing to go out the window. When your schedule is jam-packed with stuff, romance is out the window. So you've got to make time for that. Well, here's one of my all-time favorite scenes from The Cosby Show when Cliff decides to take her to a hotel room. Cliff? 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 How far apart are they? Oh, now, how could you do that? Do, uh, do what? You were sleeping. Correction, napping. (laughs) Sleeping is under the covers and don't come out till morning. (laughs) Napping is on top of the covers, which is over now. This is your idea of a fun evening. You come up here to take a nap? No, my idea of a fun evening is to put my pajamas on, get in the bed, and wait six hours for my wife to come out of the bathroom. Cliff, that bathroom is very nice. It's nicer than our living room. It even has a phone in there. And you can call all the other bathrooms in the hotel. Is that what you did? I didn't think you'd mind the time it took once you saw the finished product. You know, you're right. Let's get it on. Did you have to say that? Well, what did I say? Let's get it on. Well, I mean, it sounded good to me. Well, that's not a very romantic line. I didn't know this was a script. I thought we were supposed to make it up as we go along. But you could try something like, you know, you look really beautiful this evening. Sure. Okay, so why don't you try that? No. But it's very romantic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's romantic if I say it, but it isn't romantic if, if you tell me to say it. Well, I was just trying to help. Well, but, but I, I don't need your help. <laughs> so what do I do? You, you let me say what I want to say. If I let you say it, you are going to say, let's get it on. No, 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 no. Let's get it on is retired. That's finished. Okay? Okay. All right. (laughs) You like that? Mm -hmm. I made that up. (laughs) 
How's that feel? It's pretty nice. <laughs> I made that up, too. And I'm making up some more as I go along. That's nice, too. Now pay close attention now. More, more! No, 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 wait, wait, wait! Now you can't brush the eye. You know something? I love you very, very much. It's a privilege to wake up in the morning and see your face. You are my life. And I mean that. Oh, Cliff. Let's get it on. <laughs> I, I am the one who's supposed to say that. Yes, dear, but you said it too soon. I see. So it's timing, right? Right. Timing. Now, we, uh, if you come to our marriage series, you will hear a three-letter word repeated over and over and over again, and it's sex. We believe it's okay between married couples. We believe it's one of God's greatest gifts to married couples, and so it's okay to say that in church. I grew up in the Baptist tradition where it was sex. You, didn't, you couldn't say it. You know, you could do the first letter and the last letter and, and, and you know. So we're, we're going to talk about all facets of a marriage. And, and here's the thing. I'm going to finish this real quickly. Look at Song of Solomon, um, verse 8-6. She's speaking to Solomon. She says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. Seals in Bible times were marks of ownership, possession, or affiliation. So Solomon's bride is saying, I want to be so affixed to your arm, so affixed to your heart, that you never desire anyone else on the planet, and no one else would dare try to catch your eye because they know that the seal is, is both an, an outward symbol and it's also an inner symbol on your heart. And and what you have to realize is once you are married, your flirting days are over, except when you flirt with your spouse. And we've got to look at our spouses as our most prized human possession. And then look what she says in in verse 7. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can rivers drown it. If a man tried to buy love with all his wealth, his offer would be utterly scorned. In other words, no amount of money can purchase love, and, and it can't get you out of years and years of neglect either, no matter how nice the gift is. What we have to do is declare our affection and and work on it over and over. When I cherish my wife, Janie, and I fill um, her love tank with quality time, that's her love language is quality time. She turns around and is filled with love for me. She reflects back to me what I'm giving to her. And guys, I'm just going to tell you this. Most of the time, not all the time, most of the time in a marriage, if your wife is cold to you, She's reflecting back to you that you've been cold to her. If she's short with you, most of the time she's reflecting back. God designed her to reflect back from you, the spiritual leader in the home, exactly what you're dishing out. So we need to learn to be tender and to, to do everything we can to provide the right type of atmosphere for our wives to flourish. And when we do that, they respond to us with a lifetime of love. Um, you can't put your marriage on autopilot. If you do, it will fail. So we got to work at this. Would you bow your heads for just a minute? 
I want you ladies to think about what it is that you really need the most. And I'm going to ask you in a minute to write this on your, on your um, registration card. Do you need help? Do you need a break? Or do you need romance? And if you're married without looking at her card, I want you to take a guess. And, and we're going to find out how in tune you are to your spouse. And if you're not married, I want you to think about a mom and I want you to think about whether she needs help or a break. And, and I want you to plan sometime today or in the week ahead to give her that help or to give her a break. Father, we just want to honor you today and we want to thank you for our moms and for our wives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.